1: every second After all we promised we be cordial Hey everyone, Chris and Walker here and we are doing our round table with Dr. Paul Meyer which is our now we ju- it just bumped up to the number 1 spot of the most downloaded series on Mental Health News Radio, my show. So, yeehaw for oh, that. that. Yep, yeah. it just it just bumped up. I was wa- I was looking at the numbers and uh it used to be Empowered Empaths. But we made that its own show, and uh, and so now, uh, so we haven't done them in a while, and uh, we've had more listeners tuning in to the roundtable shows. So now that's in the number one spot.
2: Oh, thanks. So, Dr. I like it. I like it because I think we we help a lot of people on Yes, you exactly. Know, it feels good to do what we're doing.
1: Yeah, it does, and we get we get the most. Thank you so much. Oh, we love um, Dr. Meyer emails uh, because of you, Paul. <laughs>
2: so everybody loves probably Paul. we get Mayer. a few of the other kinds you
1: know? Well, no, we <laughs> no we do not. Uh, we do not get those. Um, so anyway, and as I didn't introduce you, Dr. Paul Meyer is here clearly. Hello, Paul.
2: Hi. How
1: are you doing? <laughs> and then <laughs> Melanie Van is here also. Hey, Melanie.
3: Hey, Kristen, <laughs> Everybody said it be tonight.
1: we are, we're like in yeah, a really good mood. Great. I'm <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, when you get a lot of stuff done, listeners, you, 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 you get behind and then you don't think you can get it all done. And then you have a breakthrough of some kind and it starts to get done and you feel like, wow, I am accomplishing things. Yay. <laughs> that's how my day's been. But um. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about speaking the truth in love, and it's a two-parter. The next show we're going to do is speaking the truth in love to ourselves and positive self-talk. And there's so much stuff out there about positive self-talk, but we're going to take a little bit of a different stance on it, and we're also going to bring in you know, the Christian perspective of that as well, uh, which adds a little warmth and stuff to that kind of conversation. So I'm glad that we're going to. Talk about this, and I want to start with you, Paul, um, with the first question about speaking the truth in love. What does it mean?
2: Well, there's a uh, in in when we say you know we, we are sharing um, a, a Christian principle, uh, but but uh, we know that there's people of all different faiths listening, and we we yes. don't mean that to the exclusion of anybody else. Right. Um, but but there's a verse in the Bible that says, "Speak the truth in love," and um, so there's really two guidelines there. One is to tell people the truth, um, you know, and, and and the other one is to do it in a loving way, and that's you know, so that's a tough combination there, doing it in a loving way, and th- and then there's other guidelines that go along with it. Like there's some, and we're going to get into that later on. But there's there's some people that you that you don't bother uh, telling them how you feel, you know, and and that's uh, another. Passage of Scripture, but we'll get to that one later. Uh, So, anyway, speaking the truth in love means uh, telling each other the truth, but in a loving way. Like my wife and I, uh, when I married a an Irish Mississippi gal, you know, (laughs) I didn't know what I was in store for (laughs) (laughs) because she speaks the truth in love. And and and, and I guess you know, being the president of a of a large, we've got a, a national chain of of you know psychiatric and counseling clinics and and uh, and uh, I always think how wonderful it is how I how I get along with everybody. But then sometimes <laughs> I I think well you know what <laughs> maybe people are f- afraid to tell me the truth you know that but, but the ones mm-hmm. that have been here a long time and are not they know me well enough to confront me you know and things like that. But um, so speaking the truth, if you have a true friend, uh, like I believe that the three of us are have grown over the last couple of years to be true friends. And, and uh, mm-hmm. we would speak the truth, whether it was uh, a negative truth or a positive truth, but we trust each other uh, uh, enough so that we would take it positively. It, it would be done in love, um, you know, to, to help each other. And it's good to have people in your life that will, uh, that'll tell you the truth uh, in a loving way, because that's the only way we grow.
0: Absolutely. What about you, Melanie?
3: Well, you know, I think maybe I've said this on the podcast before, I'm not sure, but Ephesians is my favorite book in the Bible, and there's actually a passage in Ephesians that addresses speaking the truth in love, and that is, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And I think that speaks to why it's so important to to speak the truth in love, because of we will grow. Um, And that in and of itself, I think, is the result of speaking the truth, you will grow yourself. And also, whomever you're having, you know, whomever you're speaking the truth to, your relationship will grow with that person. Because if you can't speak the truth and love to whoever you're in relationship with, then I'm not even so sure that's a relationship. (laughs) Um, So uh, it's, it's incredibly important for intimacy it's incredibly important for, you know, um, understanding, for uh, forgiveness. It's, it's important for so many reasons. Um, and I think, you know, the more we can do that, then the way we speak to ourselves becomes more truthful. And it, and it's just kind of a snowball effect. So Absolutely. I love the concept, you know, and there's, you know, Kristen, I think we have interviewed someone on the show, actually, Um, a doctor, author, Sear McCauley. Mm -hmm. And he posted something on uh, his social media one time. And it was something like, um, careless truth telling mask a sadistic core. Mm. And I thought that was really powerful. I was like, wow, you know, because you have those people that just say, well, I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm just going to be myself. And I'm just gonna, you know, and I just, I I appreciate that sentiment, but at the same time, I think it's so important to just be considerate of others. And I do, I think people that are like that, that say they speak the truth in love, but they're really not, they're doing it for, you know, sadistic reasons. So that's the whole nother piece of it, I guess. What do you think, Paul?
2: Yeah. Uh, I I thought of a couple of things while you were sharing that one is uh, I was walking uh, in the, in New York, uh, I was walking just, On the sidewalk in New York City one time, and some stranger that was coming the opposite way looked at me and said, That's an ugly tie. (laughs) You know, when I looked down there, it probably was, you know, it probably was a little bit ugly, you know. So he was speaking the truth, but he wasn't doing it in a loving way, you know. Whereas if my wife said, Paul, are you sure you want to wear that tie to go speak tonight, you know, (laughs) or do a TV show in New York? Uh, that might have been the time I, I actually did a TV show, um. Back to back with uh, with Trump about 20 years ago, where he he his book I don't know remember how many years ago.
0: Really with Donald yeah. Trump?
2: Yeah yeah oh, he, interesting. he did a show on uh, what's his what's his book um uh, the art of the deal so he was promoting his book art of the deal and uh, right after him I was on the program promoting I think love is a choice or one of the books I had uh, written and so we uh we you know we shook hands and. I told him he was fired, but I'm sure he's heard that a thousand times, you know, to his show. And uh, but anyway, but anyway, I was walking downtown, and that happened. And and then and so that's one incident. And then another one was uh, uh, when I was uh, counseling a couple uh, when I used to do marriage counseling, and and uh, and, uh, uh, and they were coming in because they were miserable together, but they never had any arguments. And and I said, well, you know, when's the last time you got mad at? It? At your husband, or when's the last time? I asked him, when's the last time you got mad at and, and they said, Well, we've been married four years now and we've never gotten mad at each other. And I said, You know what? <laughs> what? Then, then one of you, I said, Then one of you's not necessary. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I said, One of you's not necessary. So, you know, one yeah. of you must be thinking for both of you, you know, because, <laughs> uh, you know, any humans get mad at each other. So they weren't speaking the truth in love. And that's why they were miserable in spite of the fact that they didn't share negative stuff with each other. So.
1: You need to, you
2: need to share the truth, even if you're angry.
1: Yeah. I mean, and thankfully, that's what probably one of the biggest things I'm thankful for about, um, my, you know, having been raised in a situation where, you know, my parents were divorced when I was very young and there were a lot of contentious, just constant contentious other relationship, couple relationships going on around me. And same thing with my ex-husband. Um, And I'm sorry, listeners, I know you've heard this. I'm just relaying it to this show. I like the fact that we've stuck it out. And we're still so close after now. I said 32 years and he corrected me in love the other day. Why do you keep saying that? You know, that's not true, Kristen. It's only been 31 years. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Oh gosh, I've been lying on all these shows and I didn't even realize it. But anyway, we, to have, I've, I never say that to, to say, Oh, we're so great because we have this long-term relationship. And I, and I have had a couple emails from listeners thinking that that's how I was saying it. And that is not how I mean it. It's in no way a reflection of me talking about other people's relationships, It's totally about how proud he and I are of each other as human beings and with our uh, modeling as children that we went through all that we went through. And he's my best friend in the world um, today because it took a lot to get us here (laughs) and a lot of speaking the truth uh, and not in, in love, but not very artfully. And a lot of times doing it to hurt each other and also um, being very, let's see, creative with the truth. That was something I wanted to bring up. Some people will, like you said, Melanie, will say, oh, but this is the truth. And I always think, okay, but that's what you're calling the truth. Is that
2: and that who's might be determining- the truth.
1: Exactly. Right. That doesn't mean it's a universal truth. But um right. but anyway, I, I, I and now we say the truth, you know, in in love is probably 99 percent of the time, which is great. But I, I wanted to bring up something because you're right, Paul, we do have on my show anyway. It's every faith. If people want to listen to a specifically Christian show about mental health, they can go to. MyerClinicsPodcast.com, and you can hear shows that are wrapped in the Christian faith um, around mental health. But we have many people, let's say that are Buddhists, as an example, that listen to my show. So one thing I just read on a site about about this particular topic was conquer the angry. This is a this is a Buddhist saying. Conquer the angry one by not getting angry. Conquer the wicked by goodness conquer the stingy by generosity and the liar by speaking the truth. Hmm.
2: Yeah. And that, That's you know cruel. what? And those are all biblical principles too. Those are yeah, very, right. And, and, and Melanie, you mentioned uh, Ephesians. Uh, there's a great verse in Ephesians that I really like that popped into my head uh, while y'all were uh, sharing these points. You guys share your points and, and that reminds me of this and reminds <laughs> me of that. But, but anyway, uh, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 uh, where it says, uh, be angry and sin not. And, and uh, if you look in the Greek there, which I did when I was in seminary, is uh, the, in the Greek, it says, go ahead and be angry. It's in the passive imperative tense. It's not even giving you permission. It's telling you, go ahead and get angry. You know, it's okay. Uh, get angry and it's not a sin to get angry. Go ahead and be angry and sin not. And it says, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So when you do feel angry towards somebody that you love, that's, that's you know, that that's, loves you back, then uh share it. You know, don't don't be bitter about it and hold it in for a long time. Share it uh, you know, that night or within twenty four hours and, and forgive, forgive each other. So it's it's good to get angry, but it's also good to forgive.
1: Yeah, and sometimes those speaking the truth and love conversations are really uncomfortable, especially for those of us that are huge conflict avoiders like me and Melanie.
2: <laughs> well me too. yeah i
1: I I don't either even if it's loving i just i'm like (gasps) i fully admit it i just oh and then i try not to be passive aggressive because that's what i was raised in and it's like this battle and i'm like i gotta go talk to my therapist because i'm like afraid to have this conversation and it's with someone i love so yeah i i I own it i fully own it
3: I wanted to share something though, as, as a clinician and, and that is, you know, we, we say, so like in couples therapy, when you're going through some really difficult things and you say to a married couple, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Sometimes, you know, it takes us longer than 24 hours to get over being angry about something. So I feel like the better approach to that is, learning how to put the anger aside, you know, so that you can at least turn to your partner and say, I'm still angry. I love you, but I'm still angry. And I just need time to work through this because some, you can't rush those feelings. Um, But, you know, you should be able to to set it aside so that you can at least go to sleep peacefully and maybe know that you're going to continue to work on it over time to get through it. So, cause I don't want anyone to ever think that you just should stuff it and not deal with it because that's the worst possible thing that you could do, you know? Right. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to make that point. Yeah. For Mary-
2: and we, had a, we, we started had a rule of thumb in, uh, in residency that like if somebody, um, um got, you know, getting dished by your mate, uh, <laughs> that runs off with somebody else is a lot harder than if you love your mate a lot and your mate dies in a car wreck that's traumatic, but statistically it's, it's more traumatic to have someone choose to, to, uh, you know, reject you. And in, in psychiatry, they us to sort of take the number of years and divide it by four. And that's how long it's going to take to get significantly over it. You'll, you'll get, you can grieve and get most of the, you know, a lot of the way over it with therapy and things, uh, more rapid than that. But, you know, if if you've been married 20 years and, and, uh, and then the, the person ended up not being who you thought the whole time. It can <sighs> take five years to have little crying spells and things. It doesn't mean you're going to be miserable for five years. You know, you'll you still be happy. You can be happy a few weeks later, but but you're still going to have times that you need to grieve. Absolutely. And
1: I've said this and I, I stand by it. And there have been things that I've, Absolutely been so angry about that weren't the truth. And they were told that they were done in love and it, and they were so not love. And it took me the time that it's taken me to heal that. And part of the healing process was allowing myself to finally be so hurt and so angry and I know that I wasn't a pleasant person to be around especially during the angry part but you know the people that really love me knew what I was you know going through and loved me the best they could through it sometimes at a distance <laughs> but but you do have to allow yourself to get really angry when um, when these things happen there's that's part I I really believe that's part of the process because otherwise you just stuff it and you're, you haven't really resolved anything within yourself.
2: And anger is the leading cause of death. We yes. were in medical school. And uh, since if, heart if you disease, hold anger in. Yeah, yeah. Heart disease, strokes. It uh, is the suicide, number one killer depression. of women.
1: Did you know that, Paul? It, it, it is the that, number that what, one.
2: What
1: it, heart disease is the number one uh, killer uh, in of women.
2: Oh wow. Yeah. Well, I thought it, was, it used to be. Minute, but but i knew it was climbing yeah and and when, when you hold bitterness in if you hold your anger in and you don't share it then uh there's a whole you know i'm not going to get into a uh, whole lot uh, technical stuff but adrenal cortical trophic stimulating factor is released from your <laughs> hypothalamus to your pituitary gland and that releases <laughs> adrenal cortical trophic hormone and, uh, and that's really true and, and but those things happen and it goes down to make a long story short it goes down your adrenals, and, 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 uh, and you put out too many, too many stress hormones, and you have fewer antibodies, and it's like having AIDS. Being bitter yeah. is like having AIDS. You're vulnerable to all kinds of yes. infections and diseases and heart disease and everything else. So anger is the leading cause of death, and, and there's physiological proof for that. It's not just what you
1: Absolutely.
3: I can Let's- speak. To that i used to be sick all the time when i was in a bad relationship and now i <laughs> yeah. can hardly ever get sick so i can totally speak to that for sure it makes a big difference
2: Well, you want me to cover point two yeah let's go yeah
1: go ahead and go through I'm
2: missing that two. okay we've got we've got ten points so far. I know we've got we got to get
1: moving. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not, not really. <laughs> You're not not really because uh, we could take ten programs on it if we That's need to. True. You know. That's anyway, true. But uh, anyway, you 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 and our listening family have heard me say this uh, a couple other times, I'm sure. But um, but it's it's a it's a, a good thought and and it's a deep thought. Whenever two people meet, there's actually six people present: the two people as they see themselves, the two people as they see each other and the two people as they really are and all six are different so who we who we really are deep down inside is a mystery even to ourselves so finding out the truth about ourselves because somebody else tells us the truth as they see it and you think about it and sometimes you figure out you know what maybe they're right so uh finding out the truth about ourselves is uh like melanie said earlier that's that's the way we grow you know by uh speaking the truth and love to you to other people that you love in a in a loving way so it's a uh learning the truth about ourselves is a lifelong process and learning the truth about our mate and other and other people that we love is a lifelong process you never really know everything
1: no my goodness that's the whole point of
2: yourself or somebody else
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so let's do number three because it definitely ties into number two why or i'm sorry Let's do number three, which is, who do you speak the truth to, and when is it best to keep your mouth shut? (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to start
3: with you, Melanie, on that one. (laughs) It's best to keep your mouth shut when you know you're angry. That's when. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, You know, if you, and it really just depends on your personality. If you can temper yourself, which some people just have that personality type, then I think, you know, speaking the truth when you're angry can happen. And sometimes it needs to, especially in intimate relationships. Uh, But, and then sometimes, why waste your time speaking the truth to people that don't live in the truth? That's kind of how I feel, because I feel like you're kind of beating a dead horse when you're dealing with, I mean, you can, you know, try to say the truth to them all day long. And it's just, I think sometimes you're just wasting your time. That's a strong statement and it's not a very agape type of love. Um, but I do think there are those individuals that it, it's kind of just a waste of your time. So when it's, you're, confused, a, you know, oh, when you're confused, uh, no, like when you're confused or you're just not sure, you're just not sure. Um, I think it's better just to work through your own feelings around it before you try to, And sometimes the truth just means the truth about what you're feeling and that, and that, that can really take you a long way. Um, so this isn't always about you telling the other person something about them. A lot of times it's about you just being honest with your own feelings surrounding the situation.
2: So go ahead. That's really, really, really good. Uh, um, um, when, when, uh, if like if you get mad at your mate or or your close friend, uh, if if you say I'm mad at you because you did this wrong or you hurt me or you did this, you made yeah. me angry. Those are not uh, healthy ways to in no. love. But l- like Melanie said, uh, when you say Here's how I feel when you do that, you're not saying what that person did is necessarily wrong or or uh, uh, or, or anything. You're saying Here's how I feel. I feel angry when you do this or I feel sad when you do that. You and they're, they can't argue with you because it's how you feel. And then, and then one other thing that that I want to share very quickly is that it, uh, you know, you, it, uh, Melanie, you said, well, I'm not sure that's really the the right uh, 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 view to 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 not waste your time with somebody. But actually, <laughs> that's exactly what the Bible says. King Solomon said in Proverbs nine, he says, if you rebuke a wise person, if you speak the truth in love to a wise person, they'll love you for it. They'll love you for it. So do it.
3: Yeah. But it says, if you
2: if you rebuke a fool, they'll hate you for it. So don't waste your time with them. Those are the mm-hmm. exact words there. So if you rebuke a foolish person or an immature, you know, person that that there's no way they're going to believe anything negative about themselves, then, then don't waste your time with them.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think of it in another way too, where um, there's also this great piece where I'll, uh, I don't even know how to put it. And I just said, it's great. Okay. Let me, let me back that up here. Um, I've learned, I'll use my son as an example. Um, There are things that, he astounds me with how wise he is. And then other times I think, Oh my gosh, that's right. He's only 29. Um, And I have, you know, the wisdom of being almost 50 behind me. Not that I've (laughs) lived perfectly, but just in some things I know to keep my mouth shut because Mm -hmm he's not going to see it or maybe he's not going to take it really well, or there's more things that he needs to kind of go through before we can have the conversation about what he's done. Um, And so I just reserve speaking the truth for when I think he's more open to hearing it in a loving way. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. I like what you said about, I like what you said about old people. Being being a little more experienced and wiser, uh, you know when when the woman was caught in adultery in the in the Bible, the the people back in that le- in that legalistic age wanted to stone her to death, you know. Which there's still some cultures that are like that, you know. The man they don't do anything, but they stone the woman, you know. And uh, but anyway, and, and Jesus uh, looked at the crowd and said, "But he was without sin. Cast the first stone." And and it says in the Bible that the older people left first. The older people thought, "Yeah, man, yeah, I've seen who I'd be standing here throwing a stone." You know, and they they left first, and the young people left last because they were less insightful into their own, um, you know, they're they're wanting to be self-righteous and stone somebody, and maybe their uh, chauvinism or whatever else. Uh, so there is some uh, wisdom that comes from old age thank god <laughs> there's something yeah. from you being and sometimes guy.
1: i think sometimes i think too if you you know if you tell somebody something they're not ready to hear it or you know that you're going to be blamed for it because they're not quite at a place of accepting their behavior this has definitely been with me and i know that counselors the two of you know this you know i can tell sometimes even with my counselor she will bring me around to a concept That is a truth about me that maybe I'm really not quite ready to (laughs) accept. And so she'll, um, you know, she knows because she's worked with me long enough to sort of be, be very careful and per um, conscious of the words she's using and how she's describing something so that I come to the realization of my behavior on my own. Um, because if she would have just flat out told me, I might've been defensive or, you know, does that make sense? I'm being the patient here, of course. Yeah. You too know what I'm talking yeah. about.
2: Yeah, like telling a a story about something or you using a, a parable or, or getting to a point without coming right at you in your face. Right,
1: something
2: right. That, like when, when David, uh, when King David um, saw his neighbor's wife and taking a bath on her roof, and uh, he ended up uh, having an affair with her and then even uh, getting the guy killed. And um, uh, Nathan, instead of just walking up to him and, and saying, you know, King David, you're a, uh, really a jerk. You know, what you did was horrible and all that sort of thing. And uh, uh, he, he he told about a man who had thousands and thousands of sheep and he had a poor man that worked for him that only had one pet lamb. And, you know, he'd play with that lamb and have lamb be in the house and he had a pet lamb, and when the man had a, uh, when the rich man had a feast, he went and got that man's pet lamb and used that uh, for the supper. And uh, David got so angry about that, he said, "Well, kill that man, kill that man." And then Nathan said, "Well, David, you are that man." And then he could, David could see it. You know, when he saw, uh, you know, he had insight into what he had done. That's a parable. That's right. the way you get to it indirectly.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I think a good counselor tries to help someone come to the truth themselves um, because oftentimes we just don't hear it. We don't hear it. And and a seasoned counselor knows if the person is ready to hear it or not. And then sometimes I feel like that if you repeat the truth enough in different ways, um, it kind of plants a seed. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a direct challenge to something that they're doing, but it, it's, it's kind of like speaking the truth in love, I guess. And that is just saying kind of the same things over and over because I were, you know, I did a lot of work with young girls and a, a lot of times they were in relationships with these really, you know, unhealthy, dysfunctional guys. And I, I, I would just know I, from the outset that they were not gonna hear anything I said, so really, I never even talked about the relationships with the boys. I tried to focus on the girl and helping her getting her self-esteem to where she could actually see the truth about the guy because no matter what I said, they weren't gonna hear it. Um, so sometimes you know, I think as a parent and there's no there's no more difficult decision to make. With telling your kids the truth or not, you know, and um, especially when you're living with a teen like I am and Kristen, you know, you've, you've had your son and Paul, you've had your kids, and it's sometimes you kind of just have to be age appropriate with your truth um, because they're just not, you know, they're like you said, Kristen, they're not in a place where they're ready to hear it or they haven't experienced enough, and um, so sometimes you really just have to use uh, good good judgment and do I really what what is what is it gonna benefit if I speak this truth? I think that's something you have to ask yourself. What is the benefit going to be? And you know it 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 can't be just because I want to tell the person the truth because right. I'm I'm Absolutely. sitting back I'm sitting back here seeing something, you know, it can't just be that it has to be for the benefit of the other person. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think it can just yeah. be a one. It can't be for selfish reasons. It has to be, right. you know, for, for various reasons.
2: Yeah. If you speak the truth in love, that does mean if you love somebody, you want what's best for them.
3: Right. Yeah. So if
2: you speak the truth because you want what's best for them, then that's speaking the truth in love.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So number number four, speaking the truth in love, Paul, on your notes, you have uh, to God.
2: Yeah, I can make that real short. <laughs> My as God's truth. He anyway. Knows anyway. <laughs> right. sometimes, sometimes I'll be praying and I'll say, Well, Lord, you know, is it this and this and this. And then I stop and think, Well, now, nah, you know, I can't fool him. <laughs> <laughs> he knows all the intents of our heart, you know, and he loves us yes. anyway. Yeah, so, uh, I also, mean, I. Paul said, Sometimes I don't do what I should, sometimes I do things I shouldn't, but there's no condemnation. God, He gives us a big hug and says, What can you learn from that? And that's you know, that's but we need to speak to, the truth to God because He knows it right. anyway. Go ahead,
3: yeah. I Go was just gonna say that, um, I feel like one of the most, uh, you know, the times that my prayer life grew the most was when I finally learned how to speak the truth to God. And when you start doing that, I realize He's literally just waiting. He's waiting for you to say it so he can heal it. He's waiting for you to say it so that he can relieve you of whatever it is. And sometimes that means, you know, telling God that you're mad and you're angry. And how dare you Mm -hmm. do this to me? And, you know, I don't like you very much right now. And why are you doing this? And sometimes it means that. And then sometimes it just means, um, you know, just, Lord, I'm feeling this, this or this and I don't know what to do about it. Um, So really, if if you just speak what's really going on in your head instead of just like quintessential Christian prayer, I feel like your prayer life grows so much when you really begin to just say what you, like you're sitting in God's lap and he's just gonna hug you regardless, just say, say whatever it is so that he can relieve you of whatever it is that is burdening you. You know that's why he sacrificed his son in the first place. So yeah.
2: it's a it was a hard one for really me to
3: angry. learn. It's hard for yeah, me. Yeah, when you get
2: really really angry at God, he, you know, he, it, I mean, he's God. He, you know, it's not going to bother him a lot. Uh, he he just loves us and wants to help us through it. And whenever we have a big loss, first you know the stages of grief is first we don't believe it, then we get mad at whoever we blame, and then and then uh, we almost always get mad at God. It doesn't matter how godly you are or what a nice mm-hmm. person you are. It's normal to get mad at God. And I tell my clients, I said, it, it's okay. To, you know, to, you're mad at God right now and, and, uh, and tell him how you feel, you know, and it's not like God did something wrong. We just don't understand, you know, why he allows suffering and things like that to happen. And I, I won't understand it till I get to heaven. And, uh, but we getting mad at God is uh, just part of the stages of grief. And uh, then we get mad at ourselves and overly blame ourselves. and things. Like that.
1: Yes. I'm real good at getting mad at myself. I don't ever think, when you know when the two of you talk i don't it doesn't occur to me to have a conversation with god i I mean i guess because i wasn't raised that way i don't know but it just never occurs to me i have conversations to you know to uh i guess what i what i think of as god but i don't state it that way it's kind of funny um so when so you wait, say that you I have, have, have to sit and go wait, wait, yeah, I mean I say prayers absolutely, but I don't just sit and have conversations with God, that kind yeah. of thing.
2: And I and I do, I mean I do, but 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 I mean I I really uh became close to God when I was six years old, you know, and then closer when I was 16. So, but I'll talk to him and apologize to him and argue with them. and <laughs> and you know I uh, when I'm seeing my clients during the day uh and i get stuck on something i I'll, I'll you know whisper a prayer to him help me with this one i you know i i'm, I'm stuck you know what, what, what do you think i should do so i sort of chat with them uh throughout the day and uh i mean not every moment of every day or anything but you know a number of times maybe maybe a dozen times during the day
3: yeah so best way to like get out of your own head is to do that. And I'll, you know, that's, that's ruminating and weighs you down. And as soon as you start, you know, having that conversation with him, I think it redirects, um, you know, where that energy is going. I, I kind of have two images when, when I do that. And that is, like I said before, like I'm sitting in God's lap, um and just telling him what i want to say and then i have this other thing it's so silly but everyone has their things right i literally imagine that when i'm driving my car that jesus is sitting in the passenger side i literally imagine that and i'm just like i'm not really talking out loud but i'm definitely conversing cuz i just really need like a friend i need a friend to help me to have clarity And I literally will just like imagine him sitting there chilling out and listening. And it is the most comforting thing. A lot of times I don't get any answers, but it is extremely comforting to imagine that kind of silly and
2: childish. I'm sitting in in my office. I'm sitting in my office right now, uh, doing, doing this podcast with you guys and, Uh and I'm, and, uh, where I see my patients every day and I've got a big picture right here. I'm looking at right now on the wall where, uh, the doctor is sitting, uh, uh, next to his desk and Jesus is sitting on the, the chair in front of him. And Jesus is giving, uh, uh, pointers to the doctor.
0: Aww.
2: And, uh, and uh, so that's, that's sort of, you know, I mean, people see that and I don't have anybody complain. I have, I mean, I have, uh, all different faiths come in here and putting people that don't have any, and I've never had anybody complain uh, about, about that at all. You know, it's just, but, but I'm trying to get advice from Jesus on on what to do. What would Jesus do in this situation?
3: That
1: takes us right into number five and I'm like super excited to get to number six, but let's do number five to others. What would Jesus do or say to that particular other under the same circumstances? And let's just for the, all of the, the listeners that are not, you know, coming at this from, uh because their their faith isn't um christianity um I would say what would how would you put that I'd say what would
2: what would a really good uh person
1: right or that, or if it's that you believe in Buddha or you believe or you know or whatever it is that you believe is yeah. the epitome that, of of right. loving goodness and kindness, what would that person do or say under the same circumstance
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think we've cool. been talking about that. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think we really have covered that. What, you know, so, what would Jesus say? I know that. Circumstance. Yep.
1: So let's go to number six. Cause this, this just stands out for me. How many people today have even one close friend they can tell all their secrets to that is,
2: that's. <laughs> I've, I've asked Kristen, I've asked that question mm. uh, for the last uh, 20 or 30 years. Uh, i'm sure a thousand or two thousand patients uh, i've asked them uh when i'm doing their workup i say how many uh how many friends do you have that you can tell all your secrets to and uh and they look at you know i i don't it's almost always they look at me with astonishment and say you mean there are people like that
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: especially in today's age you know that uh, of uh, uh, your friends are on facebook you know they are and And right. all you see is the good the good things that are happening in their lives you don't see any of the negative and
1: which is why negative. I post
2: not very many people today that when I'm having happened. an
1: anxiety attack on Facebook or when I'm upset because I just do not i wanna i purposely try to get rid of this thing where you just post about how perfect your life is It just annoys me that that that's what happens ah, yeah and that is not
2: a great idea. real life a facebook page where where you' show where the dog crafts on your carpet you know that is
0: what
1: i do sometimes
0: sometimes <laughs> sure, it's very sure fairy
2: going on your carpet <laughs>
1: sometimes i do that sometimes it is that i've been really great but i do say hey i'm really i'm having a rough time today and this is not whatever so i i prefer that not because i think everybody should do that i just think it's such a sort of a reminder maybe uh, for myself and to others that please let's stop making this a place where you put the persona of perfection of your life out to other people, because that is not the way that life really is. But anyway, for me, my one close friend is Michael. I can tell him, I have told him and I do tell him, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and I have some other close friends that I do that with as well. So it's more than one for sure. Um, and some friends I tell certain things to, um, that are m- not very attractive things about myself just cause I feel that comfortable with them. <laughs> but, uh, but I'd say with, with me, I every, the person that knows everything, um, is Michael. So, what about you paul?
2: Uh I've got a prayer partner, and uh that I share everything with i mean anything and everything, and he shares anything and everything uh with me too with my wife i don't i, I don't lie to her, but I don't share everything with my wife cause, uh that you know I don't know how long our marriage would last if she could read my mind all the time so <laughs> <I'm> human, <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh when, when when I first got married, when I was 21, I was so idealistic. I thought, you know, we will totally, anything we're thinking, we're going to just share with each other. And, uh, and be totally honest. And, and uh, then, uh, you know, I went to a grocery store and went to buy a loaf of bread or something or bring it home. And, and, and there was a, a really beautiful checker, you know, checking us out and, you know, for a second or so, I, you know, I had a thought I shouldn't have had and, and I put it out of my mind. But when I, so as I got home, I said, guess what? I had this thought about this checker. So there's time. that's one of those times you keep your mouth shut, you know, <laughs> but but I, share, but I would share that with my prayer partner. Right.
3: Yeah. That's the I...
2: Anyway, I had a prayer partner for 30 years. And, and then when he died, I, I needed to find another one. And, uh, So I I called up this psychologist that I knew and that grew up in Paris and lives in Paris and, you know, and um, and I asked him uh, because we had done some conferences together. So I I called this guy up in Paris and say, will you be my prayer partner? And he says, well, why are you calling? You know, I mean, you know, we were friends, so he he, he was honored by it. But he, he said, why are you calling somebody all the way in Paris to be your prayer partner? And I said, well, my first prayer partner I had for 30 years was such a godly guy. It was always me confessing to him. And uh, and I said you're French, so I know you'll send at least as much as I do. (laughs) I want somebody that'll have something to share, something to share back, you know. (laughs) And he said I'm qualified. I accept.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The French, how You you feel like they're they're more open-minded, huh?
2: Well, uh, yeah, either that or they send more often. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm teasing. I don't don't know. You know, I'm (laughs) I'm just saying. Yeah, he's just a real open guy. Yeah. But, How about but, you, Melly? Like, no, I mean, yeah. I don't.
3: I think it, it. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more important, and I do. I think um, special people like Kristen and Michael that are, have very open minds uh, <laughs> probably were in a marriage where that you shared everything with each other, and I, I know you know you've me yes, the dynamics of that marriage, and I could see it working with you guys. Um, but generally. I feel like uh you know each partner in a relationship needs to have someone else that they can that they can talk to, like Paul was saying, because if you tell them everything, it's just not gonna go over well, so I feel like I have yeah, several be, friends that I can tell
2: everything to and I, huh It needs to be somebody of the same sex if you're married i mean if, yeah. if you're I married mean, it doesn't matter, but if you're married, uh, don't pick somebody of the opposite sex to be your prayer partner and best friend and all that. Because it's going to lead, I mean, you know, whether, whether there's a God or not a God, I believe there is, of course, it's going to lead to something, you know, it, 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 if you keep sharing intimate things with another human being, it's, it's bound to get, you know, turned into a romantic relationship. So it needs to be somebody of the same sex. Go ahead. I didn't agree.
1: And I, I agree. And you know what, Melanie, I say that, you know, think about that too, what you just said. I mean, Michael and I are divorced. so
3: it didn't... Yeah, I know, but I could still see when you're married. You well, that was because we were everything. so
1: enmeshed I mean, and we didn't know how to have healthy boundaries. if we had healthier boundaries, we probably wouldn't have shared so much with each other gosh, but that's why we're such great friends right. now yeah. and my best friend i I think if I ever got married again which i I, I don't see myself doing that, but who knows I'm only forty nine but I don't I do not in any way in any way do I believe that I will ever um do that in a in a new um partnership with someone. Absolutely not. I don't think it's healthy.
3: <laughs> you told me I remember you telling me that that you didn't think you'd do that again. Yeah, I do. I think it's important. I I mean I, I you know, I feel like I, I could tell my mother everything. I choose not to just for her sake because I don't want to worry her half to death. Um but I I feel like I have several people that I could tell everything to. Um, but I'm just not one of those people that needs to tell everything to but I do. And it, it is such a relief. It's those friends that you pick up and call. And if you haven't talked to them in a year, you're right back to where you were the last time you talked to them. So that's a is, really good point, yeah. Melanie. That's yeah. a
2: good
1: point, because it's not just it's not like we're saying that you have to tell everything to, yeah. to everybody. It's that you know that you could. You that could. You absolutely know that you could. That's such yeah. a good point. yeah because you're yeah. way more private than I am which is you know which w- works for you and I fall flat on my flat on my face often with how non private I am but that just seems to be how I am and what works for me but um but yeah it's the knowing that you could and you're right I have boy do I have some friends like my friend we need to have
2: at least one Woo! we need to tell her yeah. anything we need yeah. to have one person that we can tell anything and everything to and and that we really covered point 6 and 7 cuz 7 is be careful who you share the truth with because you can't just, uh, you know, if you have a group of 30 people and you share every secret with 30 people, surely out of that group, there's going to be somebody that's going to go blab it around and things. You know, you have to be careful who you speak all the truth to.
1: Yes. Yes. Let's talk about that. Okay. So that's because that's really good. Be careful who you share the truth with. And, you know, man, younger, we've all done it. Um, and I'm so much better about not doing it now I don't even have to think about it anymore Um, I used to just shame myself over oh what did I say I don't even have to think about that anymore but it's taken me you know till age 49 to get there but I would tell I would tell people that were dangerous people that absolutely would use that information and have used that information um, to hurt me and I would just tell them my whole life story like an idiot. So uh, you have to, you do have to be really careful who who you share it with.
3: Yeah, I think it's it, you know, Kristen, it can be really yep. dangerous sharing. And oftentimes people like us will overshare. Yes. Just you know, because of certain you, know, I don't even have to say it. We just <laughs> overshare because you want that. It's like you're you want reciprocation or. Yep makes you feel more secure Um, and oversharing can be you just really have to practice wisdom when you're thinking about um, what you're going to share with with people or not, because just like you said, people will will certainly use it against you. Um, And, you know, some people just aren't kind and caring enough to not hear to not hear your sharing and then kind of never see you the same way again. You know, I would not I would not share it with someone that was overly judgmental or a narcissist Mm-mm. or Mm-mm. or gossip. I mean, let's just like literally oh, yeah. use brains and use common sense. Don't don't tell, you know, the gossip neighbor next door all of your secrets. They're going to get around. Right. I think it just takes a little common sense and a little bit of wisdom, but more common sense, I think, about who you share with. Yeah. Paul, what do you say about that?
2: Yeah, don't share with people that are going to shame you. Yeah, I, I could I could share the worst sin, uh, you know that I, I could share my my worst, you know, sins that I haven't committed. I could share something horrible with my prayer partner, and he wouldn't condemn me. He'd feel sad with me because there's nothing that's more depressing than when you see sin in your life. You know, because sin, sin, it, it, you know, maybe that's not the best word for it. You know, sin is whenever you hurt somebody else. Uh, when, you know, when you're hurt or you hurt yourself when you're hurting all sins hurt somebody. And and I don't want to hurt people. And uh, so if I sin, I'm going to hurt somebody. And and, uh, and and so I don't want to do that. But so I could share uh, any kind of uh, sin with my prayer partner and he doesn't condemn me. He he because he knows he's shared his sins with me, too. Instead, he he'll yeah, comfort me and talk. We'll chat, you know, we'll email each other back and forth emotionally. You know what I
1: what this makes me think of, too, because I do have a couple of friends, one in particular, I'm thinking of that. And she's going to know who I'm talking about, too. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can call her. And instead of in, in the past when I've been in toxic relationships and I needed to purge about somebody's behavior or whatever, the the other people that I had in my life would sort of get off on um getting in it with me and picking that person apart with me. And I'm not talking about when it's been an abusive person and my friends are like, yes, that's abusive. We agree. I'm talking just sort of the things that irritate you or whatever. What I love now with the friends that I have, they will say, Oh, that really makes me sad because I I really like that person and you guys will work it out. And it makes me almost cry when they say it because I think, that's so great that they are invested in me resolving whatever conflict I might have in a relationship in my life that instead of getting into the gossip with me and oh oh, oh they say i'm this is really sad and and i hope that you'll work this out you know
3: yeah that you bring up a difficult point kristen and that is and i have trouble doing this um with friends when Um, it's hard to support someone when they're in situations that are extremely unhealthy. And you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, Kristen. I have a friend that's been in a domestic violence situation, um, and the violence has been towards one of the children in their home. And it has been so difficult for me to just support her and not talk horribly negative about her husband for doing it and not to pick up the phone and call CPS um it's 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 hard to support um your friends when it's such serious things like that um it it's just hard uh or, or you know having a friend a married friend tell me that they're starting to have feelings for someone else you know those are like things that you tread lightly and i always try to be there for them but then i also kind of try to remind them you know, it's not worth, you know, throwing your whole marriage away because you have a crush on someone. Or right. sometimes it could just be really hard to support your friends when it's something really serious like that, that you well, just feel so sure. about. Supporting doesn't mean you're
2: agreeing with them, yes. uh, Supporting yeah, doesn't mean true. you're agreeing with them. Supporting yeah. means you're telling them and love. So the truth is that, you know, they're ready to, to hurt themselves and hurt other people. And, and uh, uh, you know, and, and so you speak the truth in love and say, what's this going to get you? And, and what's really happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it is hard though. You're right. It's so yeah, it's hard. Um okay, so we number seven, number eight, and we're gonna go way more into this on our follow-up show, but the speaking truth and love to yourself, maybe we should table that one for next week and leave some yeah, tantalizing. Yeah. <laughs> really eight,
2: nine and ten. Really eight, nine and ten all go together and we can just list them here. But that's really what we're gonna cover uh, next week is um, positive self-talk and speaking the truth to ourselves and uh, uh, promising to be our own best friend. And, right. and, and, we're not talking about being narcissistic either. We're talking about speaking the truth to ourselves and, you know, but in a, in the way we would tell our best friend. And then uh, what would you say to your best friend under the same circumstance? And we'll get more into those. Two yeah. Next week.
1: Good. I love it. I love I love uh those three and that that's the primer for what we're going to get into next week to with our listening family and each other.
2: <laughs> Positive self-talk. Yeah, How it's a, it's a yourself?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting road to get to that place, but um well, then I would say thank you both Paul, thank you so much for coming up with well I think you and Melanie both came up with the topic and Paul always does mass amounts of research which is why he's a best-selling author. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and Melanie, thank you too. Sure. Happy to be back on with you guys. Yeah. Yep. And
2: be on with our listening family. We love you family.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in every week and we will catch you next time on Roundtable with Dr. Paul Meyer on mental health news radio. Surprise when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I I can't fight. Good boy.